On today's Daily Charge Supercharged Edition, how broad is the impact of YouTube's new policy on not ad-targeting kids? Should content creators be concerned? Also, we rumble more about Android's missed opportunities. All right, so we've reached our favorite part of this show, the live Q&A. Now, the Daily Charge greatly depends on our audience feedback, so if you have questions or comments about today's topics, would you cut the cord? Are you glad that those ads are going? Or, you know, would you just fire them off in the chat and hit us up on Twitter? So make sure you uh, get us those questions in. And BVG, why don't I throw to you, what what are our uh, topics and questions today? Obviously, there's a lot of chatter going on about uh, Android Q, Android 10, Android X beta, whatever. I don't care anymore. Uh, (laughs) I am completely disenfranchised and heartbroken this morning to wake up to that news. Uh, That was very, very boring and disappointing. And I think we should move on from the topic. But no one else will. Uh, Let's go ahead and throw to our old friend, Ayaz, uh, the Alphabet City guy for some. He says, uh, 10 is my favorite dessert. What's yours? (laughs) Um, look, I'm, I'm over here in the States and you can obviously tell from the accent. I went out to a restaurant the other night where dessert was literally just a bowl of sweetened whipped cream. So I don't know that maybe Americans can be trusted to name things after desserts and candy. Everybody there. knows traditional American dessert is hamburgers. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's got all the important food groups in there. I don't know. I was, I was trawling around trying to find a, a cool name for it this morning and the best I could come up with was like quinceanera candy. I don't think that's really counted. So Yeah, BVG, you don't like the name. What would you recommend? What is your Q alternative? My recommendation is for someone at Google to try harder. <laughs> well, I mean, with N, they just put it out to like an audience vote. So I guess they didn't really try there. And then Oreo, I don't know. Oreo Kit Kat, they, they just partnered up there. Yeah, Oreos are known around the world, but I just don't think they're as big outside the state. So when everyone was like, that's a universally loved cookie, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's naming things. I definitely see how going global and recognizing that they've got their their big kid shoes on now that they can't just uh, call everything after a lolly. But, you know, it's it's a little disappointing. Now, do you yeah. call it nougat? Nougat, yeah. Oh, gosh. Everything's what do you, how difficult. do you pronounce it? Nougat. It's just oh, a bit fancier. Yeah, so, so much fancier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it makes sense. It's. I mean, they have two and a half billion devices around the world that are active right now. You, you, ha- you can't just play a regional game yeah. with the naming. You have to have something that's consistent. And there's nothing more consistent than numbers. Yeah, I suppose so. And I, I'm kind of keen to it's see boring, some though. of the. Yeah, it's it's boring. I'm keen to see some of the features when they roll out because I'm a keen Android user. So you know things like privacy controls. That's a really big one. Apple played really hard with that at their WWDC conference. We saw them talking about being able to control what information you get out there. I think that's a really big topic in the new era. So. Um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be keen to see what features actually come to our phones along with the name. And I'm curious, who's going to go to 11 first to just do that spinal tap oh, yeah. reference? Oh, uh, yeah. Because someone's going to do it. The yeah, question you, is, who gets there first? Is it Apple in September? Is it, you know, Android next year? You're speaking BBG's language point? there. You're speaking BBG's <laughs> language. All right, what else have we got? Any more thoughts on, um, any more thoughts on Q? Uh, well, I just want to give a quick shout out to our, our friends over at The Verge. I don't know who wrote this, but whoever came up with the, uh, the sub headline, Google quietly quashes its naming quandary. Mm, delicious. Absolutely. <laughs> the best part of today. Besides the fact, hey, little trivia, it is Ray Bradbury's birthday. So I thought I'd bring that up so I could put a little bit of a po- positive spin on what is otherwise really lame news. Uh, Michael Brown says, so is it safe to say 
Now that we know Android is only in its 10th version, that as a platform, it can't be compared to iOS's upcoming 13th version. Now, let it be known, Michael Brown is our resident Apple fan. He's always got really intelligent things to say, contributing to the positive aspects of Apple when most of us kind of, like, take jabs at him. Um, I'm curious to think, like, will 10 being a, a, a shift in the paradigm for Google, for Android... Uh, will they actually put a little extra effort into it? Or do you think we've seen all that there is to see with the beta? I mean, I think I'd like to hope that there's a couple of tricks up their sleeves that they didn't necessarily reveal with the beta. Um, my comment on the 10 versus 13, like, you know, numbers are meaningless. And note, which was it? The the note skipped. I think we had one of the devices skip a number, the Note 8 wasn't a thing. And then, like, I, I feel like 10 versus 13, it's not one is better than the other. Hopefully we I mean, do Windows see- skipped 9. That's it, right? Because of, I heard that that was a, a kind of a coding thing because of, uh, it was like, if Windows 9X, referring to things like Windows 95, Windows 97, it was just like a basic thing in the architecture of how how mm. everything was structured behind the scenes. I don't know if that's true. Feel free to just like hit us up and tell me I'm completely wrong. That was just a bad 789 joke. Yeah, right. Oh gosh. Um I don't know. I want I want to see some more features coming out because it feels like we see a lot of attention around iOS and cool features that come with that OS. Um I'm hoping that Android users get some kind of sexy new tips and tricks, but um I don't know whether we will have seen everything from beta. I mean, there was there was quite a bit in there with Things like gesture control, um, privacy controls, things like uh, location tracking. As a, as a privacy narc, I'm very keen on kind of being able to shut that off. Yeah, well, I think the next time we'll see a big release around Android or Android 10 now will be when Google, I guess, finally releases the Pixel 4 that they've been mm. talking about and teasing for, I guess, now months. <laughs> that There's going to be something they've already started talking about uh, some of the voice assistant, Google Assistant improvements that are going to be coming to the next Pixel. So we'll be interesting to see what they do there. Uh, the other thing that's curious to me about Android 10 is foldable displays. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that category has taken a massive step back with everything that's been going on with the Fold. One of the big points of Android 10 when it was announced and when it was called you know, Android Q with all that whimsy and, and magic <laughs> there behind was it. Simpler yeah, times. Yes, those, those simpler times was that it would support foldable displays. Obviously, we haven't had a foldable phone really come out to the mm-hmm. market. Huawei's been delayed. Samsung's been delayed. Who knows, you know, who else had stuff? There's rumors of a Motorola yeah. Razor flip uh, foldable. Is it good to have that kind of functionality baked in, even if you don't use it straight away? A good example is the new generation of the Apple Watch. In Australia, we don't have uh, kind of FDA approval for EKG functionality. So it's capable, like it's the actual device it can give you an echocardiogram, but you can't actually use it in Australia. So it's just like switched off. So maybe it makes sense to have support for foldables in there, but it's just not fully activated and unleashed on the world. Is yeah, that- so not having it unleashed on the world is is obviously disappointing for those who don't mm. get access to the new features. But having them baked into the OS can also push manufacturers who don't have to focus on the software side to focus on innovating around the hardware side, mm. which is what they do best. Yeah. So I, I would say that yeah, having it on the on the software is great. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. All right, BVG. What are what are our thoughts on um, on Android Q? I'm interested if there's is everyone like super obsessed with this Q10 name Not today? Not so much, but I will give another shout out to Brian who came to my rescue and he pointed out that there is a I believe it is a Spanish dish. I'm gonna try to pronounce it and I'm gonna butcher it. 
uh, Kijadina, and it's this like sweet cupcake thing. Take a look at this. That's what Android should have done. Doesn't that look appetizing? <laughs> Doesn't that look uh, massively appealing? Ooh, round and, flavor discs. <laughs> yes. I'm not even sure what it's made of. I'm going to go watch this recipe later and probably be more disappointed in that. Than We've got to stop maybe. doing this show before lunch, BBD. I <laughs> yeah, just, I know, right? Yeah. Anyways, just proof in the pudding that there is a Q-based uh, dessert out there. Or fact, as they call it in England, they call ago. it pudding. So, yes, proof is in the pudding. Don't you call everything pudding in England? I, uh, well, not, you, I mean, not like, me. I don't live in England. But everything's pudding. Everything's dinner and everything's sweeties. And gosh, <laughs> that's the other problem. We call, call things different things around the world. So I see why they're going to numbers. Numbers are the universal language. Very good point. All right, taking a look back at the chat. Here's one from Terry. Uh, he says, they all look alike, sound alike, do everything alike. Might as well call modern phones the duck. What does that mean? I think if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck yeah, and quacks like a duck, uh, okay. then it's a duck. I'm hoping that's what he means. Otherwise, like he's just going real surrealist on us and uh, just bringing an element of data into the show today. And we've gotten weirder on the show, so why not? <laughs> uh, Matthew Datcher, how long until we move beyond 10? Mac has been on X since 2000. Good point. That's a yeah, great question. I, I, I don't think there's... I mean, Windows 10 has been on 10 for a couple of years now, too. Yeah. So maybe I, I don't know why people are... Why technology companies are so hung up on the number 10. Yeah. Maybe it's like a full completeness thing that yeah. they're going for. Well, there are elements to numbers that have these kind of... The roundness to them. You know, 2000 was a way of saying something was really futuristic in the 90s. So, right. you know... Uh, Ironically I, appealing in a country that refuses to... Uh, a, a dot, or is still stuck in the empirical form of measurement. I can't even <laughs> talk to you about this. Why don't you join the metric system? It's great. Everything's base 10. You just bring it up by 10. Don't get don't... mad at me. It would make my life easier in electrical engineering. That's for damn sure. I'm personally mad at you, Brian, and I'm going to I'm going to continue this crusade because if someone tells me that it's 73 degrees outside one more time and I just have to sit there with this vacant look on my face as I quietly convert it. And I, not I will defend Fahrenheit only because it does seem more daunting to say it's 100 outside. If you want to talk about round numbers, something that's going to scare me from ever going outside again, it's 100. Yeah, if I yeah. hear it's 32 degrees outside, I'm thinking like, okay, I'll take a jacket. That's not what 32 degrees Celsius is. Yeah, yeah, having 32 a, having is... Having a jacket bundling up is a bad idea. Yeah, it's 32-ish it's today. Really. I think it's 32 today. I had someone describe it, Fahrenheit, you just remember as like how comfortable you are. I think of it as a percentage, 100, you're at your max. 73, that's a really good, comfortable three-quarters of the way temperature. So There we go. Um, you should switch this to our is, system. <laughs> this has been Weather Chat on Daily Charge. Happy to bring it to you every uh, every Thursday, the 22nd of August. Um, yeah, I look, I think it's a beautiful number. The imperial system is, uh, is broken. <laughs> that's my hot take. That's not a very hot take at all. Uh, let's do something good for somebody. Our friend Esben is visually impaired, so accessibility is very key for them when buying devices. Will the new Android accessibility options be better than Apple's? That's a really good question. I think, I mean, obviously a lot of device makers, hardware manufacturers are moving towards that because, uh, well, I mean, sometimes it makes sense in terms of just making all of their consumers happy and they're realizing that accessibility is a big part of the market. And sometimes it also makes sense for everybody. You know, we uh, we saw that with WWDC, one of the features- Apple spent a lot of time talking about it. And one of their first ads- 
about iOS 13 out of WWDC was focusing on accessibility. Mm. And it's great to see that finally after, you know, all this time, technology companies, Google, Microsoft, Microsoft obviously having the Xbox adaptive mm. controller, that Super Bowl ad yeah. that, that they ran earlier this year, finally focusing on a market that's long been ignored, mm. it's long overdue. And not that this is a justification for doing it because the uh, targeting customers who need accessibility options should be the end in and of itself. But with some of the features announced at WWDC, they they kind of were good for, you know, the mass market as well. Some of those are the ability for the the kind of the inputs and ability to bring a keyboard in that was designed as an accessibility feature, but it makes sense for everyone. So I think some of these features are winner for everyone. And if they're not, then they aren't a, a kind of an impediment to anyone else. So why wouldn't you just bake them in? In terms of whether, you know, if you're buying uh, device to device, what's going to be better? I know that, I mean, my understanding is Apple is still probably the strongest in market on accessibility. Uh, we have a lot of chats with them about the features that they're bringing out and trying to design accessible devices. I think maybe it's going to be when we see the actual Android 10, I was about to say Q again. When we see it roll out, we might get to go hands-on with some of those things and really see how they work. But um, I think, yeah, that's a good question that I'm not able to directly answer. Well, so. we, we still have to see the final yeah. forms of both iOS 13 and Android 10 yeah. to know exactly which one is better or worse. Yeah. Uh, but either way, the fact that Apple is spending so much time on this with iOS 13 and Google's starting to talk about it more, pushing each other to make it better – Everybody wins in the end. Yeah, and I think things like live captioning, that's really good for the hearing impaired community. Um, Gesture controls, maybe Mm -hmm. making things easier to use rather than having to fiddle with tiny buttons. So I see those as, as, as big wins, yeah. All right, we have a few minutes left, so let's shift gears. A lot of people want to talk about YouTube as well, and there's some really good uh, commentary here. Yan says, so what happens to those content creators who create content for kids? Uh, like Ryan reviews toys. Uh, will they see a significant decline in revenue? That might be unfair to them. Now, that's a good point. There's not to take away from the wholesomeness that there is for potential advertisers and content for younger audiences, but will that impact these content creators who are specifically appealing to that younger demographic? I think quite potentially it could. I mean, it's a balance YouTube has to navigate. That's That's part of this problem is figuring out a way to clean up the mess while not harming the people that make the platform so great. Mm. And that's something that's been their problem with every aspect of all these issues that they've had is rooting out the bad while still keeping the good. Yeah. In the um, in the Bloomberg story, they spoke to some experts who said that um, they estimate YouTube's revenue from children's media at being between 500 to 750 million a year. And one of the experts, the analysts they spoke to said um, potentially they could be curbing revenues there by about 10%, so maybe $50 million. Um, It's hard to know, but it definitely is a feature where you'll see, you know, ad, ad buyers and the advertising community, they really like to be able to target as closely as possible, not just people watching basketball videos, but maybe people from the age of 35 to 43 who are interested in buying basketball sneakers because they also have a pet dog that they go running with. So maybe being able to track that less is going to be a problem. But I think if you build your whole model on 
targeting children in such a sort of a niche way, there's probably something that's a bit broken in it anyway. Yep. I would think that hopefully kids' content, if it becomes the standard across the board that everyone has to play by these new rules, then advertisers will target niche kids' creators. So uh, like the Ryan Reviews Toys, I think it was, um, maybe they'll be able to say, all right, well, we know that your channel just does unboxings or we know that your channel just talks about Peppa Pig, so we are going to target and make sure that our ads are your on your channel. So maybe those niche creators will actually win out of this because they have a very clear purpose to their channel. And with all these changes, one thing that's been constant is everybody adapts um, for good and for bad. When YouTube or Google rolls out an algorithm change, everybody changes what they're doing to accommodate. So... I, I think that people, while it is going to be something they're going to have to navigate, I do think that they will be fine because everyone's going to follow whatever it is mm. that I guess YouTube is laying down. Absolutely. I mean, we saw that with the news industry, seeing a lot of their stories get posted on Facebook and how their ad revenue streams change. All of these companies adapt. They all they all constantly pivot to work with how the market works. I think ultimately the win for the kids is um, going to be the thing that rolls out in the end. Yes. Yeah. I'm a little floored that they haven't been able to enact a little bit more, uh, I want to say, organization aggregation. A little bit more human involvement would have gone a long way in this case. Now, don't they have a separate YouTube Kids app? Why can't they just kind of sort that hierarchy, put this content there, restrict it? I mean, they should have no problem turning that into a whole new app or platform in itself, right? Yeah, I mean... I think the issues are... it's easier said than done. I think yeah. a lot of people are just going to YouTube.com or opening up the YouTube app on their phone and searching there. Age verify that have, stuff, man. What was that? Age verify it. I guess you can, but then you have to have people log in every time. And people always tell the truth about their age on the internet, don't they? Good point. <laughs> I mean, we heard, just I heard this week, that um, that YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. So if people aren't going to Google.com and typing in their search, they're going to YouTube and typing in their search there. So, Doesn't surprise me in the slightest. You know, it's there's so much. There's, you know, billions of hours of content on there. You have to rely on machines. You have to rely on kind of intelligent systems to do the heavy lifting for you hopefully with some sort of human level of moderation. But, you know, this is the perpetual struggle that tech companies have. They're constantly balancing um, the need for human level moderation with the ability to just mass move everything through because they need to just have a view over the content that's going up onto their platform. You know, Facebook had the issue with human moderators saying that they they were seeing some really terrible things in their jobs as moderators. So, it's really hard and to stay balance. And on the other side balance. of things, even when you have the human moderators, you do you really want people knowing what you're doing? Mm. I mean, that's a, that's a discussion that we're having right now around AI and digital assistants. And yeah. how Microsoft, Apple, you know, everybody, Google, everybody, I think Google as mm. well, have been using these contractors to help fine-tune, uh, Amazon, I believe as well, fine-tune their digital assistants. Yeah, and so... It's kind of having a human, well, like when I ask my Echo something and I assume that it's just being handled by a machine, I think one of the big ones was Facebook Messenger voice to text. They discovered that actually humans were listening to some of those voice messages and maybe users didn't realize that level of human oversight was happening. So suddenly it's not just a machine that's just anonymously looking at this data. It's someone listening into your conversation. It's a really interesting point as well, yeah. 
Well, we're at the end of the road, unfortunately. We are a little <laughs> bit out of time, um, a little bit over, to be honest, but that's okay because it was a good conversation today. Uh, I did want to bring up before we said goodbye that Brian points out uh, other YouTubers that when they get demonetized or they're hurting for support, they can turn to things like Patreon or direct sponsorship in their videos. So that might be the best course of action for people seeing impact. Is this what are we? Is this going to be like Adpocalypse Two Kids Edition? Is that that what we're going with here? It it very well could be Adpocalypse Two. You heard it here first. <laughs> All right. Um, thanks again for joining us, everybody who's watching. Just a reminder that we do stream live here on YouTube on Periscope and at cnet.com slash daily charge weekday mornings at 11.15 a.m. Eastern. Now, if you are enjoying the show, please go ahead, like, comment, subscribe, ring the bell, smash the bell, hit us up on Twitter. You can join us every morning for the Daily Charge. I am Claire Riley. I'm Eli Blumenthal. Thank you so much for watching. 